Well, we're in the middle of our, uh, our Summer in the Scriptures series, and this is called uh, What is in the Bible and Why? And we're going through the major sections of Scripture and sort of talking about what's significant about these and what the message is of these and how we engage with those things. In fact, yesterday we had a, uh, an optional three-hour seminar called From Genesis to Revelation while walking through the story of God, and we put together all the details, and it was I don't, I, boy, I, I don't mind telling you, it was miserable. It was so long. But we ended up with lots of maps and timelines and, and table of contents and looking at our Bibles. And uh, hopefully it was helpful for people to kind of put, connect all the dots. Well, we're in this uh, section of the uh, what and why uh, uh, series. We're in the books of what I call the books of poetry, wisdom, and worship. The books of poetry, wisdom, and worship. And these are the books that are in your, if you want to grab a Bible out from underneath the, uh, the seat in front of you and look at the table of contents. Uh, and in fact, if everybody would do it, that way the people who really wanted to look in the table of contents because they don't know what's in the Bible don't feel embarrassed. Do we do that? Um, yeah, seriously. Because this is what's so good is, I mean, how do we know until we've kind of given ourselves some experience of, of, uh, of looking into it? So if you look at the table of contents, and, and uh, the, Bible, the Bibles in front of you in church have a kind of a funny name for the table of contents. What's it call it? They, a guide to this book or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you look at that, there's this section in the middle. We've, what we've done so far is we've done the, uh, the, the beginning story, which is the beginning of Genesis, the, the creation narratives, and then Ben did something on the Pentateuch, which was the first five books of the Bible. Same with me, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, right? And then last week I did the historical books, which is Joshua and onward through several. And these books are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon is also one of the names that has been used traditionally for this. And these books are the books of worship and, uh, and wisdom and poetry. And I, I, I lamented that I didn't get a chance. Because of time, I'm not going to be able to give you like a key verse in each one of these, which would be really fun to do. Because in Song of Songs, for example, you could get in there and it's spicy. I'm telling you what. And uh, right now you're like, why? What? Okay, you're writing in your notes, like read that Song of Sol Solomon this week. And um, there's some incredible things in these books. But here's the message of these books. If I was like, what do they share together? The poetry and the wisdom and the worship books, what do they kind of share together? Here's what I decided is a, is a way to summarize it. The, the message of these books is this. It's a call to reflect on this, that he, Yahweh, God, and he alone. Let me say that part again. That he, Yahweh, he alone is worthy of all of your worship, all of your authentic worship. This is the message of these books, and maybe you could say that that's maybe a message of the entire story of God as it's recalled in the scriptures, but it's that he alone is worthy of your authentic worship, and authentic meaning he can handle all the things that you bring when you ascribe to him who he is. He can take your doubt he can take your frustration, he can take your lament, he can take all of your fears, as well as all the ways in which you recognize how great and awesome this God is. And so he, this is like, look at, reflect on this, he's worthy of it all. He's worthy 
of all of your worship. Now let's talk about the word worship for just a quick second before we move on. Now worship clearly is an internal work that goes on, right? And we're gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a definition of worship in just a minute. It's an internal work, but it, and it isn't just singing. So when you hear us say, hey, and now we're gonna continue in our worship, we're not saying and now we're gonna start worship because we're gonna start a song. But everything that we do when the people are gathered together under the umbrella of God and his presence in our lives is going to be an act, can be an act of worship. And so as you come to this text, don't, as you come to this sermon, excuse me, don't be thinking, oh, he's going to help me sing better. That's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about engaging with God in really authentic ways, recognizing who he is, and I'll get to that. But I want you to sort of, so, but it's not just singing, but it is. And it's not just Sunday morning, but it is. And in fact, maybe Sunday morning is the right way to look at worship because we carefully lead you through what it looks like to reflect on that truth that he and he alone is worthy of all of our authentic worship. So why do you think that this message would be needed, that God would say, let's put this in these wisdom books and in these worship books. Why would this message be needed that he and he alone is worthy of all of our worship? And it's because, and you see it through all of the books of the Bible, we are so prone to give our heart and our devotion to other things. Wow, you thought it was gonna be more profound and surprising than that, right? But is that not true? Every day we give our heart and our devotion to other things. Why? This is just a, this is great spiritual formation for you to think to yourself, what do I give my heart and my devotion to and why am I doing that? What am I looking for there? All of those things are what God has come to bring to us. Our life is found in him. And so these messages are, oh no, he and he alone are worthy of our worship. So these books are a call to be worshipers of God. These books are a call to be worshipers. Do you define yourself as a worshiper? Maybe you define yourself as a Christian. Maybe you define yourself as spiritual and you're not right, even sure about the Christian part. Maybe you define yourself as a good person. Maybe you define yourself as a churchgoer, but are you a worshiper of Yahweh? That's what these books are gonna call us to. Because a worshiper of Yahweh turns away from all of the other things. The Bible, in the ancient times, called them idols. Other things that we put our hope in. Other things that we exalt over God himself. And these books go, no, no, let's keep remembering and reflecting on this truth. Well, you could almost uh, do that, flip your Bible open to any one of these books, to any passage, and you'll see this message in spades just all through it. But one of the ones, so I picked that we would look at a psalm, and I would, we would look at Psalm 29 today as a way to reflect on these things that, that I'm talking about. And so uh, look at Psalm 29, because I don't have a, in your Bible, somebody's going to give me a page number as well that's got their Bibles open at church when you, uh, when you get to it. 551, thank you. So 551 in the church Bible. And I picked this passage because ascribe to the Lord, it says. Um, oh, I, I love hearing the pages turn, so I'm gonna wait. While you, do, while you turn, I'm gonna go get my water right here. 
There's a line in the first two verses of this text that is just so this whole thing. Look at verse 2. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Oh, man, that just so encapsulates, what's the word? Encapsulates this whole thing. Uh, Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Oh, this is so good. Let me give you the definition of worship right now at this point so that it would uh, help you see where we're going here. Here's one of many definitions we could come up with, but this is one that I, I wrote. Worship is giving God, it's giving to God, all of the praise, honor, gratitude, and submission that he is due. Okay, I'm super thrown off, but did any of you see that Pastor Art Greco is here? I have not, I did not see Art until this very moment. Uh, Art, for those of you that are new to our community, Art was our pastor for 20, 18 years. How long, Art? Yeah, 15. And, uh, and retired, and when he retired, the denomination roped him into leading another church, and he's still not retired. So uh, you are? Are you done? Uh, so um, welcome, Art. And I'm sorry to interrupt and wreck the whole sermon on Vimeo taping thing. Somebody's going to have to edit that out. But that warms my heart to see you, bro. Wow, it warms my heart a lot. I love you, man. Sweet. Surprise me like that. Just a little text. You know how to text, right? I mean, I know you're old, but it's like a... <laughs> Use Facebook. That's what you old people do. That'll work. Just let me know you're here. Worship, the definition of worship, giving God all the praise and honor and gratitude and submission that he is due because, he's due this because, what does it say? Who he is and what he has done. Oh, this is the work of reflection. This is what this book is asking us to do, to stop and go, no, he and he alone is worthy of all of this. He's the one that's worthy and if I was to shorten, well, then I won't shorten it yet. Let me talk, walk through each of these. But look, he's worthy of all the praise. Just stop and just reflect on some of these. And I don't know, these, there's some overlap in each of these words. But if you think about the word praise and honor, praise is, you think about he's worthy of the praise, which means the praise is, oh, you're beautiful. That's what praise is. And honor is, and you're awesome. You see sort of the who he is and what he's done in here? But you're beautiful, God, and I praise you for what I see of your beauty and your love. And I honor you, meaning I put you in that place. Hallowed be your name, says the Lord's Prayer. I honor who you are, that you're the God above all things. So I praise you and I honor you. And gratitude, he's worthy of all the gratitude. Of course, gratitude means thank you, but it means that... Um, that it's, I can remember and rejoice in what you have done. I know what you've done, God, and I see it and I reflect on it and I remember it and I'm going to bring gratitude to you. Every one of us who has ever bent over backwards for one of our thankless children know 
Really? No thank you. Not even an acknowledgement? A couple of parents in the front row spitting their coffee right now out of their, not, their nose. They're like, hello, pastor. We come to God and we go, no, I'm paying attention. And I saw you here, and I saw you here, and I saw you here, and I saw you here. And I'm grateful for how you're working in my life. Come on now, church, right? This is part of worship. In fact, I have a, this is a prayer uh, 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 that I wrote of gratitude that I wanted to share with you. Gratitude says, you sought me, and you called me, and you captured my heart, and you have rescued me, and you have reconciled me, and you have brought me life, and I can recount all my life, you have been faithful. And daily, you are good. That's gratitude. He's worthy of our praise and our honor and our gratitude, and he's worthy of our submission. And we can't be worshipers without submission. Here's my prayer of submission that I wrote. We long for your transformation and your way in our church and in our daily life. And so mold me and restore me and heal me and transform me more and more into your image. I surrender my spirit, the real me, and all of me, my heart, my soul, my mind, my character, my dreams, my fears, all of it, God. I surrender them into your hands and I trust all of me to your wisdom and your goodness and your power. I want your leading and your transformation, Lord Jesus, and I will follow you wherever you lead me. I renounce my fear. I renounce my spiritual inferiority complex for you have promised me life and you've shown you will be faithful. So lead and I will follow. You should write your own prayer of submission, friends, and practice it. You should write your own prayer of gratitude and practice it. You should write your own prayer of honor and practice it. You should write your own prayer of praise. But this is what worship is. It's giving God the praise, honor, gratitude, submission, and many other things because he's do those things. Why? Because of who he is and what he's done. And so in short, that's what we do. We, when we worship, we rehearse who he is and what he has done. We rehearse the truth. We rehearse the truth who he is. We rehearse the truth of who he is. We rehearse the truth of who he is. And we rehearse the truth of what he has done. We rehearse the truth of what he has done. And we need that rehearsing because we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans 12 says, we're only changed when we create new neuropathways with their own reward structures at the end of who God is and what he has done. And so that truth becomes part of our daily life. And so we're going to rehearse it. That's what worship is, rehearsing the truth. If you get all that, then the rest of what I say is going to be icing on the cake today. Are you a worshiper who practices rehearsing the truth? who he is and what he has done. Now, let's look at some key words in this text because I can't miss them. If we're gonna be in this text, oh my gosh, it's so good. In a verse in, in, uh, in this Psalm 29 text, ascribe to the Lord, it says, you heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord in his holiness and his splendor. Here's a key word I don't want you to miss, ascribe, Right? Ascribe means give it to him, do it. There's an intentionality and it's a command word. It's an imperative. Ascribe, 
Give him the, the glory, give him the praise, give him the honor, give him the gratitude, give him the submission. It's, we need to ascribe this to him. This is all about intentionality. It's not just gonna happen. We're not gonna be worshipers just blown away because we will constantly move toward giving our devotion and attention to other things. And so it's like, no, rehearse the truth and give him the glory. That takes reflection. That takes eyes to see him, to open our eyes to see where he's at work. It takes the word of God so that we can read the story of God and how he's been at work and what his character is. We can't imagine the character of God. It's too vast, but he's revealed himself to us. So it takes intentionality of, of, of reflection of like, oh man, I gotta think, I've seen God at work. Wow, that was God at work. And um, uh, you know, I wish I had time. I had two experiences this morning of going, that's you, God. Well, that's you at work. That, that was the little thing in my throat when I saw art and the, 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 there's something going on between me and the Lord right now. The, the, my brother being in this room is an answer. Come on now. Oh, I wish I could tell you the story. I'm like, are you kidding me? Art is here today. So I don't know what he has for all of you today, but that's for me. Eyes to see so that we can rehearse who he is and what he's done. Oh, that's such good news, right? It, it takes the, the book, I said. It takes community because our story shared and our power in this room. The, one of my most powerful worship times ever in the whole world is when I was on sabbatical in 2013, and Linda and I had spent a month in Italy, and that was pretty worshipful in its own way. And then after that, we went to London to go to a conference. We hadn't been in church. I had been these long and deep and rich times alone with the Lord in, in, in my Bible, and I had my alone time. But we went to a conference in London at the end of this month, and it was a conference for worship leaders. And as soon as I got in that room and they began to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, they began to rehearse these truths. They began to give praise and honor and gratitude and submission to the Lord with this 2,000 worship leaders from like 30-something countries. The roof got blown off. And the roof got blown off of my heart because I was in the midst of the community who, listen, were helping me rehearse the truth that only so much Chianti and pasta can bring. <laughs> A month of trying to walk on my own, finding life. And I walked into that place in London and the Lord met me. And one of the most powerful stories of my 40 years with Jesus. We need the community to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And the truth about it is that when we ascribe that, look at the first phrase of it, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord, it's, it's this, ascribe to the Lord, you sons of God, it says. And it reflects on both humans and heavenly beings that sons of God is like angels. And it's the same word that's used in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 when the whole heavenly creatures are singing and worshiping before God at his throne, right? This is the place. And he's like, listen, you ascribe to the Lord with all of these heavenly beings, the glory due his name. You join the chorus of all of heaven and creation singing his praise. You join with all the other voices of the people who have been at the lowest place and God has rescued them, have been at the highest place and have given glory to God. You sing with and, and, and ascribe to him in all that you do with these people. I just love that, that it connects us to that revelation passage where the heavenly beings are crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Remember, this is the elders and the heavenly beings and the angels, and there were voices 10,000 times 10,000, and they encircled the throne, and they cast down their crowns. So they did all this. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise the lamb who sits on the throne be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. That's the scene in heaven. And the psalmist says, ascribe to the Lord, all of you, you who are still here, you who are in heaven, you heavenly beings, you angels join with their verses and worship their voices and worship him. That's what ascribing means. Intentionally join your voices to the angels in heaven and give God what he's due. We got to rehearse that truth to be inspired by it for sure. Well, I'm already running out of time because we're going to do something else and, and then I'm going to come back and finish up. But let me just blaze right through so you can see these other pieces, these other. So that's first word is ascribe. That's intentionality. Uh, key word number two, glory. Friends, the glory, it says ascribe to the Lord. You see it, glory and strength. That's about what God has done. Glory is about his name. Glory is about Yahweh, the great, what does it mean? I am. That's the reflection that we need right there. He is the one true God. Oh man, and the rest, if you want to see glory, go home and study the rest of the verses between three and 11, three and, and nine in this text where the voice of the Lord thunders, the voice that God himself is over all of creation and is so powerful and so glorious and so magnificent. And he talks about God's power. And then, in the, by the way, he keeps talking about God's power by using the word his voice. I didn't just say, look at God thunders and does this and that. God turns the world upside down. It says his voice does that. Why? Because he's a God who speaks and reveals himself to us. But anyway, his glory is manifested in all that. You got to go do that. That's your homework. Go study those verses. And then the very, at the last part of the, of the text, the, the, it, it, or in the last part of that, verses uh, three through nine, last part of verse nine, it says, and all those in the temple cry, what? Glory. What a great response. It's about his name. It's about who he is and what he's done. So there's a scribe, there's glory, and then I just, there's holiness as well, you guys. There's something about holiness there that I can't miss, even though I'm running out of time. Oh, it's so good. Listen, it says, ascribe to the Lord. You see the text? What does it say? Ascribe to the Lord, um, I mean, worship the Lord in the what? Splendor of his holiness. Listen, I can't not preach this text without having you see this. Worship the Lord, ascribe this, ascribe this, ascribe this. Now worship him in the splendor of his holiness. Now holiness means, of course, his beauty and his perfection and his, man, there's just not words, right? And this is what, what glory is. It's his purity and his light and his perfection. And we worship him because of these things. But it says, Worship him in the splendor. Now, I have to tell you this. The Hebrew scholars don't know if worship him in the splendor of his holiness means worship God's splendorly holiness, like God's splendid in his holiness. They think it means, because in other Psalms, it means this. You be splendid. You bring your splendidness in light of his holiness. 
your splendor because he's holy. You put on your best because he's perfect. You be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. You come with all that you have for this one true beautiful God. You put on your best vestments. You come with your best offerings. You come with your greatest sacrifice because he's holy. Come on, will that preach? Worship the Lord in the splendor that you bring. That comes out of his, and the recognition of his holiness. Oh, that's so good. Okay, what am I going to skip? Here we go. Some practical, oh, you got it, the results. In fact, I, I'm going to skip the practical stuff for now, uh, Kelly. So some, I just want you to see the last two verses of the, of the passage. The last two verses of the passage. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. That's kind of the final statement about him over nature, even the scariest of all events in nature. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord is enthroned as king forever, the one king. And then verse 11, two results it shows of worship. The Lord gives strength to his people and blesses his people with peace. Psalms always start and end with points that are connected. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, verse one and two. At the end, the Lord brings strength. That's what you're looking for. And the Lord brings peace. That's what all of our hearts need. That's the result of people who are worshipers. Isn't that what we long for? We're going to talk a little bit of practicality rather than me talking about it. I actually invited some friends. So Pastor Courtney and uh, I'm going to invite Gigi Bebo and Roger Ibsen up. And uh, we asked them, these are just folks that I personally know um, have inspired me in my worship. They've been thoughtful about being worshipers. And I asked them if we could just interview them a little bit about some practical considerations around worship. Thank you, Courtney, for doing this. Thanks, you guys, for coming. Well, welcome, Roger and Gigi. This is a great day in Roger's world. It is your 34th wedding anniversary. Glory to God. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you marry such a cute girl. So... um, Gigi, I'd love, I, we, Jeff gave you these questions in advance, so we're not surprising her, just to be clear, if you're ever thinking, oh my gosh, are they going to call me up? But um, this is the question Jeff asked, and I love, I'm excited to hear your answer. I want to know, I know you love worshiping God, but what do you do in those moments when you just don't feel like worshiping? You're in a bad mood or whatever happens. What do you do? I do it anyway. Do it anyway. I mean, the thing is that I don't often feel like worshiping, but I know that worship breaks strongholds. Amen. Sometimes the stronghold is in me. Sometimes the stronghold is my anxiety, my exhaustion, my being out of gas as a parent. And the last thing I want to do is worship. So I have all these reminders, like in my car, when I turn it on, worship starts to play. I wear these little bracelets that say, be anxious for nothing. And so I just have all these visual reminders that he is God. There is one, it's not me. There we go. And so if I can remember to give him, to just turn myself over to him, then everything changes. And I have spiritual ADD. Anyone else? Like in the morning, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And at 10 a.m., I'm going, where did you get your license? 
<laughs> so having the music on in the car and is helpful. So That's I what I'm hearing. I just have to remind, remind, remind yeah, that I'm that. his, that he's mine, that he's got me. So you surround yourself with reminders. Yes. I love that. And do it anyway. Okay. I like that. Roger, tell us um, what piece of advice have you received over the years that have, it's really impacted you as a worshiper of God? Um, the for me, the very, the very heart of worship is already what Jeff has preached on, that is submission. Um, in my life, there's, just like Gigi just said, there's many times you don't feel like doing anything, let alone worshiping God. But as you submit yourself to him and, and just bow, like when I lift my hands, and I, I, it is an act of submission. God, thank you for saving me. I've been a, I've been a Christian for for almost 40 years, and I still have a heart of gratitude towards him, and I submit myself to him daily. Um, and one of, the, one of my favorite passages is in the book of John, John chapter 6, where he's talking about the bread of life. And it comes to a point where it's a hard saying, and a lot of people, the Bible says, turn away and walk, walk away from Christ. He said, I can't take it, I'm out. And Jesus turns to his disciples and said, are you guys going to leave also? And Peter just is like, no, Lord, you have the words of life. Where else am I going to go? And that's how I feel like you submit yourself to the Lord. It's like, God, you have the words of life. You change me. You, you're there for me. You're, you're, you're splendor. You're just like all Jeff just said. Is that, that's heart of submission for me is, is, is where it's at. I love that and these practical tools, right, to have the reminders and then to actually physically embody your worship by raising your hands and submitting to Jesus. So you love worshiping here. I know that. Tell us, what is it about gathering here at MCC? Where, where do you find so much value? Um, I'm a, I don't know. I just, I have a grateful heart towards Christ. Um, and one of my other favorite passages in the, in the Old Testament is, better is one day in the courts of the Lord than thousands elsewhere. And so I, when I come into church, you, you, you row. It's like we had that service about rowing. I'm a, I'm a worship rower. I just love it. I prepare my heart in the morning. I come in. I see the band. They've prayed. They've sought after God. They, they're ready. They're prepared. And corporate worships, like Jeff said about that worship experience in London, I've had many of those where you just walk in the room and you feel the strength. You feel the love of Christ when, when it's in corporate worship like that. It's... That one day is better than, yeah, Amen. thousands anywhere else. Amen. Gigi, how about you? What do you love about worshiping together with God's people? It, a lot of it's the same thing, just to, I love worshiping the Lord. I'm all about that. But when I come in here and I have so many hearts turned toward him, at the same time, there's power in it. And the glory falls in here. Mm. And it's not, I've been to a lot of different churches. Whenever I travel, I go visit and a lot of times I don't feel the spirit moving, and that's because the worship team is performing. And you know what? I'm so grateful because our worship team is bowed down to the Lord, and that is so evident as they exercise their gifts on this stage, that they are worshiping God, and then they are literally leading us into the throne room of him. And I just love that. I love that, and I feel that, and like today, I'm somebody who sees things, so today I just saw silver glitter. <sighs> like the Lord was just silver glitter. He's just so pleased. And also our worship team sometimes just takes time 
Sometimes right. they just pause and they just let it be. And when I'm in here, I get words of the Lord. A lot of times I'm not singing. I'm just hearing him. And um, that is amazing. And that happens in this room. So I'm just so glad to be part of Marine Covenant because of that. Amen and amen. Well, Jeff has a few more words for us about worship. Thanks, you guys, for doing some of those practical things. Because, you know, this the encouragement that I want from this practicality is just to come and intentionally engage, to come and ascribe to him, come and participate. I mean, do all the things you need to do at home in your personal life as well. But if you come here, we'll lead you through this stuff. We'll lead you into, one, into this experience where you can intentionally, what was the, 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 in fact, I think I have it on the screen, worship is giving God all the praise and honor and gratitude and submission he is due. Yeah, Ben, come up, because we're going to finish our time in music worship. Because of who he is and what he's done, we want you to intentionally engage in those things. So we want you, no matter what is happening in the room, to be like, how do I respond to this one king? To my one settled issue, he's enthroned, he's the one thing that I want. How do I engage with that right now when the Starks are up here? You don't think, oh, just think, oh, that's cute. You think, Lord, the ministry we're doing to the next generation will change the planet. Oh, Lord, those four boys. What's God going to do through them? God, come and be like, you pray for that family. You pray for Jill mostly and, you know, <laughs> in that family, right? You engage with that. When we hand out Bible, we give Bibles away. You know, that's just not a dumb little thing that we do. You know, what you're saying is, oh, Lord, we're wanting, we want our people to be rooted in the word. And so you, and so you cry out to the Lord that we'd be a people who know and understand God's word right? When we do announcements, you think, Lord, well, make, make that thing happen for your glory, impact lives, bring transformation. You're engaging with God all the time when we come to the songs. We do at that point then say, Lord, I'm going to sing these whether I feel like it or not right now. I'm going to sing things that I know are true, but I don't feel like they're true. And so I'm going to rehearse the truth of what he's, who he is and what he has done. And so we engage in every part of our worship intentionally. And so even as we just finished this morning, maybe you need to do some business with God. Maybe there's some work that needs to be done on your side of the ledger around being a worshiper. Giving praise, giving honor, giving gratitude, giving submission, settling the issue that he and he alone is worthy of praise. And so I'll now call you into worship. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. We've been in worship the whole time. I'm gonna call you, re-engage you to it. Ascribe to the Lord, you sons of God. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Worship the Lord in all the splendor of his holiness. For the saints... And the angels and the elders, they're now bowing down and worshiping him, casting their crowns, telling him that he is worthy of it all. Come join with them even now and do some business as a worshiper of Yahweh. Let's stand together in music worship.